Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women by sharing their unique stories and empowering a community through the mission in their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, a former school teacher and principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. Each week, we will feature stories from women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome back to the In Awe Podcast and our series on resilience. I am honored to amplify for you today, Kay Henriksen. Kay is a lifelong educator and author of Battle Courage, where she shares her unfiltered journey with, around, and through a stage 3 breast cancer diagnosis and subsequent treatments. Kay speaks to and trains all age levels, all group sizes, and all experiences about mental health, perseverance, post-traumatic growth, and resilience. Kay and her husband, Dave, are parents to two adult children, four rays of light grands, and humans to one spoiled rescue pup. Follow Kay's journey at www.khenriksen.com or on all social media. In today's episode, Kay shares her experience with a fear-inducing breast cancer diagnosis, subsequent depression, and the ways in which she came out of that to become a beacon for others. Kay's story teaches how we too can rise up out of a pit of despair and fear by tenaciously clawing out, leaning on others, and bravely facing whatever challenge is in front of us. I am proud to bring you Kay's awe-inspiring story of resilience. Kay, I'm so happy to welcome you to the In Awe podcast, and I thank you so much for being one of our guests and specifically on our series of resilience. I'm so excited for our listeners to hear your story amplified today. Thank you so much, Sarah. I'm honored to be here. Yes. So let's get started. Can you provide to the listeners your current context? Sure. I am located in western Wisconsin. If anyone's familiar, it's midway between the cities of Eau Claire and La Crosse. And our motto is we're, we're probably two hours from anywhere. And <laughs> it doesn't take us too long to get anywhere. Uh, I currently serve in my role as Instructional Services Director of Digital Learning at ASISA, which is Cooperative Educational Service Agency number four. There are 12 in Wisconsin, and that is in the West Salem area, right near La Crosse. And... Uh, in that role, I get to work with a lot of teachers, pre-service teachers, and folks who want to be teachers. So um, it's, a, it's a wonderful, wonderful role. Well, and it, it's an opportunity for you to have a really strong impact on a wide variety of people. So that's really special. It is. It's a wonderful It's a wonderful job. I, I really love it. I do miss serving children directly, but I do love working with the people who serve the kids. I think that our a lot of our listeners could probably understand that because anybody who's ever taken that step out of that direct um, contact with students does it probably pretty intentionally and then probably always goes through those uh, little bit of regrets here and there <laughs> about not having those moments. But I think you and I talked a little bit in the pre-chat that you get an opportunity every now and then to do that when you go into schools. So that's kind of fun. I do. I, I take any student opportunity I can get. <laughs> Wonderful. So I'm, and I'm assuming and know a little bit that you clearly have a passion for students, but what are, what are some of your passions and your missions and your visions kind of centered around? Well, I think all my life, my, my center has been my family and whether that's family by, by blood or family by choice. And I, I'm 
I'm a strong believer in mentorship and being that I was an English teacher uh, for middle school for so many years, writing is also my passion. And, and in this particular context, writing to heal and the connection with nature and just getting outside and really, really letting, um, letting nature talk to you and, and inspire you to write. And I think lastly, just the whole connection between my love of writing and mental health. There's, there's a huge connection uh, between writing and using writing as a tool to heal and get yourself back uh, to where you want to be. You speak my language probably on every level there. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm excited that the, the listeners are going to be able to hear just a little bit more about that. And to jump a little bit into your story, because remembering that we're a part of the resilience, there is a, I've asked you to be in this particular section of the In Awe podcast, because I happen to know that you have a powerful piece of your journey uh, that's unique to you. And the mission of the In Awe podcast is to amplify stories in order to empower a community. And I believe that when you start to tell us a little bit about your journey, that um, people are really going to be impacted. So would you share with us a little bit about your story in terms of what you've been most resilient from as of Absolutely. late? Uh, pretty much I've been very fortunate. Um, I, I'm well over, I shouldn't say well over, I'm over the 50 mark, 50 year mark. And all of those 50 years have been pretty blessed. And uh, up until recently, I was diagnosed with an aggressive form of stage three breast cancer. And so pretty much our very comfortable, very mm, nondescript life <laughs> came to a screeching pause. And when I say screeching pause, it's because uh, I had up to this point a very full calendar. And up at that point of that diagnosis, it became deer in headlights time. And there was this need to realign priorities. And um, not by choice, but I had to face. Fear was smacking me right up alongside the head. And, and I had a choice, either fight or flight. And so um, I chose to fight and did the only thing that I really knew how to heal and survive, and that was to learn all I could and write. So my biggest lesson out of this, this life-changing, life-altering, life-threatening um, journey has been face that adversity, treat it in the here and now, take a pause from everything else, and then do everything you possibly can to move forward because because you will you will move forward it doesn't seem like it at the time but you do from coming from somebody who's walked that in, exceptionally inspiring and Kay would you be willing to share with us just you know I, I know you get into the meat of this a little bit more and you fought and that is how your story has progressed but in that pause that you referenced that screeching mm -hmm. pause would you just unpack for the listeners a little bit about that that moment and what you remember the most from kind of hearing that diagnosis? I I think I was dumbfounded because um, I went into the you know I went into the appointment with a much different mindset, thinking that I would it would be nothing, 
um, I had found my lump and I went in to get it looked at. And I, w- I kind of thought, well, they're going to tell me to do all kinds of things, move more, stress less, eat more kale, um, just, you know, practice yoga and slap me on my hand and send me home. And not in a million years did I ever think it would be breast cancer. It is not in my family. It is not genetic as we've since learned. It is not, it is just, it ended up being just this um, perfect storm of hormone imbalance. And, and there I was. And all of a sudden, what I thought was going to be a lecture in wellness and balance turned into, uh, I, 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 I stay, I say this in my book. Um, I went from zero to dead in like 60 seconds. I instantly thought this is it. This is, I'm going to, I'm, this is, this is how I'm going to leave this earth. And that was that instant. I didn't stay there very long because then I get mad. <laughs> Upon my knowledge, you know, I've had several close people, but not your walk. When you went from zero to dead and zero to 60 uh, and then you got mad, then what? I mean, you've written this book, which is incredible and clearly will outline the story. But for the listeners today, what came after mad <laughs> Or what did MAD look like? Um, MAD was, well, in my case, um, MAD turned into tears right away. Um, I felt backed in a corner. And um, I've always tended to be a mother bear type of personality. (laughs) And um, after the initial shock, then I think I began asking a lot of questions. And... I wanted to know, well, what now? What what do we do now? And I think it was because I felt so lost. It's I didn't know anyone um, super close who had traveled this road before. I did not have experience, thankfully. And, and that's where the gratitude piece comes in. Thankfully, I'd never gone through... Um, a cancer journey with with someone so close to me, and here it was me. They they say that it's uh, you know the current research is one in eight women will be diagnosed, and now apparently that has changed. It's one in seven now. But I looked around me, and I looked at my circles, and my circles of friends, my circles of acquaintances, my circles of family, and there was no one in there. And so I got to be the one. I got to be the one in eight. And it was at that despair, sadness, anger. I... I, I describe it as I was at, I've never been in a pit so dark and so deep. And I just could not, at that moment, figure a way to claw my way out. And I think we all go through experiences like that where the pit is so dark and so deep. And all we want to do is just get out and find that light. And I just... Made up my mind that I'll find the light. I'll be the light if I have to, but I'm going to make my own light, and and we're going to do this. And so my 
my essential question was, so now what? Where do we go from here? What do we need to do? Tell me and and I'll do it. Spoken like a perfect educator. (laughs) I love it. I can't help but sit here and beam for about a thousand and one reasons. But one of the main things is that when I talk about how the In Awe podcast came, it's about building a community for those that need it and need to seek it. And I just love so much that you're able to share here that you didn't have that um, community around that breast cancer diagnosis. And so you're, I've, I would assume based upon your experiences now that not only have you found that community, but you may have even been a part of building one for others. And, um, I, I believe that to be true. And I'm so glad that you're adding to this space with your story. So, and I think we need to get to that, but before we do, I, I know that one of the largest obstacles that you had to overcome, aside from all of those other stages was that depression, because, you know, we can feel like we have control over things. And it seems to me like for those of us, and maybe you considering that there's that type A personality to try to control things and plan and, and everything, all of a sudden you're hit with this. And, uh, I'm sure you took steps, you know, one, two, and three, but would you speak to that depression piece a little bit, how you overcame that? I I really felt at that point I truly understood what true depression was. It wasn't anxiety. It wasn't fatigue. It was this pit of darkness that um, I just, everything, everything I cared about flew out the window. And, and as I've said, and you've, you've alluded to it too, I am a self-identified type A personality. I'm, I'm super forward thinking. I'm on the go. I'm always thinking what's next, what's next, what's next, what can we do? And when I reached that, the depths of the depression, I didn't care about anything. And apathy is a word that has never been part of my vocabulary uh, people who exhibit apathy that, that tends to drive me crazy. Uh, how can you not care? And I can, for the first time in my entire life, say there were pieces during this journey I just, I did not care about. I didn't care whether I had showered. I didn't care whether I was missing work. And that was not, this is, this is in the middle of my journey. At the beginning of my journey, I kept thinking, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to lose my job. I'm not going to be able to do my job. So that was that type A. And it just chisel by chisel by chisel by chisel. This adversity, this, this journey tore away at me. And um, I just, I questioned my, my mortality. I questioned my worthiness. I questioned my, my strength. And it was the first time in my entire life that I thought, you know what? Maybe everyone would just be better off without me. I've never in my life experienced that. And it was at this point that my heart completely broke for anyone. And it still does to this day for anyone who deals with it on a daily basis. My my depression and my ex- experience with depression lasted a few months. And when I think about the folks who, who battle it 
on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, and it continues and continues and continues. I just, I think about that. And then I bounce back into my type A. What can we do for those people? What can we do for each other? What can we do to build each other up? But I had to claw out of that. And I came very close to, you know, saying I need help, but I do have an amazing support system in my family and they were the ones who pulled me out. So that's, it's good to hear. And uh, picking apart a couple of pieces from there, Kay, one is that I don't want to speak for you. So I'm going to go ahead and ask, I kind of assuming that this is a reframe to know that you've come through that and you're using that empathy now and a piece that you've kind of alluded to is, is using it now. What can we do? Is there a way that you are using um, your experience to, to help others kind of build their resiliency? Absolutely. Absolutely. What, what we were noticing um, was that in our area, and I do live in an extremely rural area, we have amazing health care here in Wisconsin and we have health systems that, um, they're, they, they're phenomenal. There were little supports, so little support for us out in the boonies, I will say, you know, there, we could go to cancer support groups, but it would be on a Wednesday night at six 30 over an hour away. And when you're trying to <laughs> when you're trying to, I say balance, but there was no balance during this whole journey. But when you're trying to get home and 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 get plenty of rest so that you could be a half-functioning human the next day, going to a support group, whether you needed it or not, wasn't feasible. So turning that into, uh, I, I have partnered with a couple other fellow survivors in our local area, and we are going to host uh, support groups once a month starting in January. And it'll be held at a local community center. And it is not a therapy session. It is not intended to be therapy. It's just to support and and lift each other up. And we're calling it Living Fiercely with Cancer, whether you've been Uh, freshly diagnosed, you're going through a treatment regimen, you are a survivor slash thriver or a caregiver or a child of a cancer survivor. Um, Any, anyone, any and all are welcome so that we can, so that we can just listen and learn from each other. We need it. We need it in this area desperately. What a beautiful way to uh, do exactly what you're talking about is to use your experiences and your empathy and build something forward from that because that's part of what's so beautiful about sharing our stories is that we can then help others rise up and that you know is kind of the point of of amplifying your story because I know there's somebody listening right now that needs to hear that you know what you're going through because maybe they're in the middle of, of mm-hmm. where you were. Absolutely. You know? So a, a question for you, Kay, is I had kind of interrupted the flow of that, but you talked about family being the people who kind of pulled you up out of that. And I've been thinking about this recently about how the people have walked alongside me in my hard times, but really it was you who had to do the hard work, you know, the day-to-day grind of moving past those phases. And it's great. We need people there. And sometimes we need to 
we need to have them pick us up along our path. But eventually, if we're going to be resilient, we got to do that hard work. So what is it that you would you pinpoint that you were doing to kind of get you to who you are today? I think um, learning is power and maybe it's the educator in me, but I learned as much as I possibly could about breast cancer and survival rates and what to do and what not to do and exercises and I really tr- and treatment regimens I tried to wrap my head around the knowledge first and then uh, I actually on the on the emotional and the mental side of things I started a daily gratitude journal and every single And I also started mindfulness practices, but every single day I'd wake up and I'd say three things I was grateful for. And it sounds silly maybe now, but there were days where I was thankful. Thank you for allowing me to sit up in bed. That was a good day. (laughs) And, and, and now it has evolved to I'm grateful for not feeling pain when I wake up or I'm grateful for keeping my dinner down. Um, those types of things. So every morning, three gratitudes and every night gratitudes for things that happened during the day. And that mind shift focusing on the good instead of the woe is me and I'm about to lose my lunch because chemo was a booger. Um, I'm burning, you know, uh, radiation was oh so tough. It was physically the hardest. It was the most pain I've ever been in my life. And focusing on, well, <laughs> it was that was a tough time to focus on the good, but um, that it was almost over. We were, you know, five down and twenty three to go. You know, we had a countdown, so it was that mindset, the, the, the mindset of gratitude. And then the mindset of thinking forward. Um, those were all things that I had to do, uh, on days that I couldn't feel my fingers or my toes. I was grateful for technology. So I could, uh, you know, voice to text some of the things that I needed to type. I was grateful for water, <laughs> grateful for sunlight to go outside and just soak in, you know, you got to be super careful with the sun, but at least I was able to go outside in my silly hat. Grateful for my grandchildren who asked all sorts of honest questions, you know, those types of things. Those are the things that really, um, in your darkest hour, there is light and it's, it's on the darkest nights that the the stars shine the brightest. And it was those darkest nights and you sometimes have to like see the stars through the trees, but they're there. They're absolutely there. This whole concept of gratitude, though, I know you referenced that it sounds kind of silly now, but it's it really, there's a, a huge body of research behind your wisdom here with being grateful for the little things and being mindful of the fact that those are present. And we can get so darn busy in life and just take it all for granted when we know you had a screeching pause moment, but there are plenty of people who have a screeching halt moment, you know, and we can go too quickly through all of that without having that gratitude mindset. But for those listeners who might, might've thought, 
uh, they haven't heard about the gratitude, Sean Acker is a great one to look at for some research on that with the positive psychology. And, you know, that can't really be understated. I love the image of you just being grateful for those little things and that being that mindful. We can do that every day. That's something we could do right now without having to have a major medical diagnosis. And I really value, too, what you were talking about with just being um, mindful of living forward, I think you said, um, just knowing that there's uh, there's something coming that's going to be brighter than the pit I'm in right now. And that's just a really neat image as well. And I think I, think, well, I just wanted to add to that, you know, that sometimes when our pits are so dark, it's... Um, you know, when you when you get a cancer diagnosis, you know, the question, it, it is a cloud. You have a cloud over your head, even though um, earlier this year, you know, all scans and all all tests indicated cancer free. And that is a celebration Yay. in itself. <laughs> uh, yes. You you have this cloud and I must say the cloud is a lot lighter and fluffier now, but it's a cloud. And you wonder about the what ifs. Where will it come back? However, changing that to, um, I'm going to quote my 94-year-old grandfather-in-law. He says, you live long enough, something's going to kill you. And he's so right. So I don't dwell on the what. I don't dwell on the something. It's just live those lives, live those days, how many ever you have. Live live right now and, and think forward. And that tends to help. That's some really great advice from a, a sage person there. You know, because I was thinking that it, we all have, our days are numbered. We don't know how many there are, right? But Correct. thank you so much for sharing this impactful story because not we haven't all had that windshield, you know, smack your forehead on it moment. Not only have you come past this diagnosis and gone through the treatment and all of that and come out of the depression, but you're using it in a way that is really significant. And I'm so excited for the listeners to hear. Can you talk a little bit about your book and about the the publishing associated with that book and just how you are amplifying your message in a way that's going to help so many people? Absolutely. Uh, I think, you know, all my life I've, oh, I've said, I'm going to write a book. One day I'm going to write a book. I did not want it to be this dance with the devil that to shake me enough to actually get it done. But, but if I had to be grateful to cancer, it's for that. I wrote this book journaling, um, my whole journey. It's not, it's not a chronological it like, this is what happened on day one and then day 47. It's, it's more of a reflective, um, life look at my first 50 years on earth. And, and it was just, it is maybe an appropriate humor <laughs> for some, but it, it's kind of in your face and it's very unfiltered. I thought, I don't want, I don't want to tell a, you know, unicorns and puppy dog story about something, but I don't want it to be a, a Debbie Downer story either about cancer. So it, it is very, um, in your face. And, um, I have always had since high school, I've had this not obsession, but just this fascination with the myth 
of Amazonian warriors. I think it might be something to do. They were they were rather largely built women, as am I, and strong and fierce, and would defend their colony or community to to death. And so I did a lot of research and um, tied it all together in battle courage with this with this journey with cancer. And in the process of, you know, it's, it's one thing to say one day I'm going to write a book, but you have to publish it in order to say that it's a written book. So there were some paths I, I explored um, and researched uh, uh, the multitude of paths. And I decided to go with an indie publishing company. It's a hybrid between self-publishing and, and traditional publishing. And it's an indie publisher uh, small business run and owned by women. And it was one of the most uplifting, and it still is one of the most uplifting uh, relationships that that I have because I felt they honored my author voice, yet they helped edit and make revisions and get my you know, all the nonsense that was going on in my brain that came out on paper, they put it into this beautifully cohesive and coherent book. And they t- were, we were able to tie the cancer journey with some of the, you know, my nerdiness with, with Amazonian mythology. That is awesome. I love the title, love the concept that you have this lifelong love affair with this mythology and that you get to find the exact right um, group and community to to publish your story and share it. And now that our in awe community gets to be a part of that is just it's amazing. So we will, I'll get the link to Kay's book and have it in the show notes so that our listeners can get a hold of that and support not only your journey, but learn more about it and also support that awesome indie publisher, because that's what we like to hear is women uplifting other women is huge and it's not understated. Oh, absolutely. So, all right. I, we're getting to the end here where I have to ask some of my standard questions. And one of the things that I would like to know, Kay, is if you could write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what would you say? I would have written a letter to myself while I was a teenager. And I would say, Kay, stop worrying about what others think. You are brilliant. You have so much to offer. You have gifts. So share them. And if they return those gifts, don't be afraid to re-gift those gifts because someone wants to hear what you have to say. And I had to carry that with me. Writing a book is scary, but it's not nearly as scary as cancer. And so that is what I would write to that unsure, awkward teen that's it's beautiful and you know they're both different vulnerabilities and i love that concept of regifting <laughs> i might have to steal that <laughs> i'll borrow um so what is one lesson about being an influential woman that might inspire others who find themselves in a pit of doubt or fear right now and, and need to hear your voice come through really want to encourage people who are maybe feeling in that pit of doubt or pit of fear to, to just take small steps. If you've got those dreams, if you have those aspirations, start 
small. It's just find find one thing that you could do tomorrow that will put you in the path to fulfilling that dream. So dealing with this cancer business, um, I took steps to learn more because I was going, it was going to put my mind at ease when publishing a book. Well, you've got to contact a publisher. So that's one small step that you can, you can take. So whatever your dreams may be, don't wait for life altering circumstances to just go do it and make, and one, one step at a time. Think about babies learning to walk. They're wobbly. They fall down. They cry, but gosh darn it, they get up and they do it again. So let's take those baby steps together and, and reach for, for those dreams and aspirations that you have. Beautiful. So we always end the um, podcasts with some awe-inspiring recommendations. And so I'd like to know, what would you recommend to the listeners in terms of who they should follow on social media? Just maybe one person that you would think about. Dana Donofri, and she is a founder and CEO of Anna Ono Intimates, and it's a lingerie company that specializes in garments made for survivors and all of their post-surgery and treatment needs. And that would be scars or burn fields. I never knew this existed and I never knew that I would need it to be lifted up until I came, I was recommended her. So you don't need to be in my situation to, to follow. Um, you know, I would follow her regardless because she's one of those women who walks the talk and she lifts others up and she, you know, went through a scary situation and decided to turn it into that, to this dream of supporting people going through a really, really, really horrible time in their lives. So I admire her. She, it's her mission to build other women up. Well, we love that. So we may have to not only take your recommendation, but see if she'll join us on the podcast. That's great, Kay. Thank you. So I'll take one more recommendation from you. And what I'd like to know is uh, what other podcast would you have your our listeners check out? Um, I'll have to confess, I am a newbie when it comes to podcasts, but since my job takes me on the road a lot, podcasts are becoming my new BFF. So I, I like entrepreneurial ones like Tim Ferriss, and but there's one that I stumbled on by Amanda Bolin, and it's or Bolian. It's called She Did It Her Way, and and I'm finding that I'm drawn to what is she going to say in this episode? So those are two that, that I'm, I'm digging right now. And of course, in awe. (laughs) Well, yes. Continue listening to in awe. (laughs) So at the end here, we just want to make sure that listeners get a chance and I'll put these in the show notes, but how can they engage with you further after this K of a Twitter account, website, that kind of stuff? We make it pretty easy. Um, my Twitter account, um, Boxer, Instagram, Facebook are all under K Henriksen. So it's K A Y E H E N R I C K S O N. You can you can find me on all of those social media platforms under my under my given name. And for those that are interested in checking out, Kay has her book, Battle Courage, Channeling My Inner Warrior Princess to Kick Cancer's A Star Star. And you can find that. Where can they find that, Kay? 
They can find it on uh, Amazon. They can find it on Barnes and Noble, and they can also, if they wanted to Google Orange Hat Publishing, it, they can find it on their website, or they can contact me and order it directly. Great. Thank you so much. Well, that's all the time we have for the episode with Kay Henriksen. I know that the listeners have learned quite a bit and have definitely gained from your experience. We're so thankful to have had you on the In podcast. All right. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Kay. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the In Awe podcast. We rise by lifting others. So please consider amplifying this story by subscribing to the In Awe podcast and by rating and sharing this episode so masses can be in awe of our guest.